0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Thank you uh, for joining me today on this very uh, happy Wednesday. We're all uh, grateful for being alive and well. Uh, Happy Hump Day. Uh, We have a, uh, it's a great show, but I'm gonna call it an important show uh, planned for you today. We're gonna go all Tennessee Harmony today with Pastor Bobby and Pastor Anthony. Uh, They're here with me in studio. Uh, We'll be joined via Skype by uh, fearless soldiers Dave Shannon and TJ Moe. We're gonna dive into the events in Texas, the school shooting that I believe 18 children, two adults, and the shooter uh, all dead. Uh, We're going to try to do a deep dive on, on that topic uh, with Anthony and Bobby and then invite our contributors into the conversation. I'm going to start it out uh, by providing us a little context and a, maybe a jumping off point uh, for, for the discussion and, and, and then we'll turn to Bobby and Anthony and get their thoughts and eventually we'll bring Dave Shannon and TJ Moe in and get more thoughts but uh, obviously the sh- mass shooting In Texas is a big event that uh, everyone in the country is talking about and concerned about and hopefully we can uh, we'll start with my perspective and then we'll get with a more biblical perspective from Anthony and Bobby Uh, so uh, let's get the party or let's get the show started uh, with a little fire I would rather live with guns than unchallenged wickedness I would rather fight the demons that provoke Salvador Ramos's killing spree than disarm our citizenry. The right to bear arms is the primary protector of American freedom. I don't love guns. I love what they guarantee. They're the lone defense against a government's natural instinct to seize power and exercise control. In the immediate aftermath of Salvador Ramos's horrific rampage at a Texas elementary school, America's seekers of power and control focused on the teenage mass murderer's mechanism and ignored his motivation. The gun is the bad guy, not the demonic forces that radicalized an 18-year-old to gun down second, third, and fourth graders. Our current leadership elite prescribed a secular solution for an obvious spiritual problem. They believe the mechanism, gun, trumps the motivation, evil. They would rather live with unchallenged wickedness than guns. President Joe Biden said he reflected on the Texas tragedy during his 17-hour flight back from Asia. He compared America to the rest of the world. Take a listen.
1: What struck me was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. <clears throat> Why? They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency that happen in America. Why? Why are we willing to live with this carnage?
0: There is some truth uh, to what President Biden is saying, that you know, these types of tragedy are, rather, compared to the rest of the world, commonplace in America. Uh, but part of it might be that American citizens enjoy a form and level of freedom the rest of the world does not. That freedom is a byproduct of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The price of freedom is extremely high. No one I know, no one wants to see 18 school children slaughtered. Many of us believe there are measures that can be taken to reduce mass shootings that don't infringe upon the country's founding principles. Before Biden spoke, Vice President Kamala Harris Cajoled her political peers to take action. Let's hear from the vice president.
1: Enough is enough. As a nation, we have to have the courage to take action and understand the nexus between what makes for reasonable and sensible public policy to ensure something like this never happens Again,
0: So, the nexus that she's talking about is actually a trade-off. She is suggesting uh, what politicians have repeatedly asked American citizens to do the last 25 years in particular. Trade your constitutionally guaranteed freedom for safety and surveillance. We made that trade after 9-11. It was a really bad trade. Political elites on both sides of the political spectrum think we're dumb enough to do it again. Freedom is the real mechanism. The seekers of power and control, the self-appointed gods of the universe and new world order view freedom as the root of all evil. Freedom must be stamped out, and that means guns must be controlled. Just ask Steve Kerr, the famous basketball coach for the Golden State Warriors. Before Tuesday night's Western Conference Finals playoff game, Kerr threw a tantrum and claimed that politicians opposed to limits on the Second Amendment do so to remain in political power. Take a listen to Steve Kerr.
1: When are we going to do something? I'm tired, I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there, I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough, there's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago, it's been sitting there for two years. regardless of political party want background check universal background check 90% of us we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote despite what we the american people want they won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power it's pathetic i've had enough
0: the mechanism versus the motivation That explains the divide. I used to demonize the mechanism. Seven or eight years ago, I was staunchly anti-gun. I argued the Second Amendment had outlived its usefulness. I did not believe American politicians were capable of forcefully stripping citizens of freedoms. I took for granted. I thought all Americans agreed on the essentialness of free speech and free thought and the importance of objective truth. Big tech, Silicon Valley, and social media apps awakened me from that fantasy. By the time corporations started mandating experimental vaccines, I fully understood why the founders wrote the Second Amendment. Governments seek and abuse power when they have no fear of the governed. No guns, no fear. As a nation, this is what Joe Biden had to say, as a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name will we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? My gut actually says something different. We need to boldly challenge the wickedness running wild in America. Salvador Ramos is a manifestation of our unchecked wickedness. He's a neglected and abused child. He lived with his grandmother he tried to kill yesterday. At the moment, we don't know much about his parents. His former school friends said his personality turned dark, emo, and alternative about two years ago about the time we decided kids needed to isolate themselves to protect unhealthy people from COVID. Ramos spent the last two years of his life in the masked, isolated world we constructed out of fear. We sacrificed the mental and emotional wellness of young people for the benefit of old people controlled by fear and a lack of religious faith. According to his friends, Ramos loved playing the violent video game Call of Duty on Xbox. His friendships were no longer intimate and real. He communicated and connected via Instagram direct message. He hinted about his rampage in a direct message string with a girl in California, a girl he would never meet or talk to. Ramos existed inside Big Tech's lonely, wicked and divisive matrix. We're comfortable with computers, video games, television and smartphones, seducing and babysitting young people because America has reduced children to a choice. They're no longer our greatest responsibility, our greatest gift from God. They're a choice made by a woman while she carries him or her in the womb. After birth, they're a burden that stands in the way of our search for our true selves, our goal of groundbreaking career success and financial reward. We don't value family, the nurturing, connective, and healthy bonds developed and shared between man, woman, and child. We want to disrupt the nuclear family, God's natural order. We think a village can raise a child. A village motivates monsters. Monsters turn to drugs, sex, and violence for relief. Far more kids will die of a drug overdose this year than gun violence. The seekers of power and control support the drug mechanism. A drug haze makes the loss of freedom palatable. I'd rather live with guns than wickedness. All right, that's my fire. Uh, that's my foundation for a conversation I want to have for the rest of the day, the rest of the show. Uh, Bobby, Anthony, uh, thank you for joining me. Um, I, I Before you guys get started, now that I'm out of the way, uh, <laughs> Could we bless this conversation we're going to have today and hope that it uh, edifies someone listening and, and serves God's purpose?
2: Let's, <clears throat> let's pray. Uh, God, uh, as we try to do every week, we just ask you to be present for the conversation. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for all the people who are hurting. And we pray in the midst of the confusion that you'd bring clarity. This is my prayer in Jesus name.
3: Father God, as always, we are thankful for this avenue, this platform uh, that we can use uh, to spread your gospel, to spread your truth. Father, at this time, uh, we pray comfort uh, for those affected by this tragedy. Uh, Father, we pray uh, that your spirit be with them. Uh, Father, we pray for ourselves on today. Uh, all that will speak on this matter, we pray and that it is met with compassion and love but most importantly your truth. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: amen. All right, so guys my contention is that uh Ramos's motivation is where our attention should turn and and the the mechanism, the gun is less important than rooting out, hey, what are we doing in this country that seems to have more and more young people and just people in general snapping to this type of of violence, Uh, right or wrong? I I see this as a spiritual war uh, and and I see it being, the solutions (laughs) being offered are very secular and will be impotent in trying to correct this issue?
2: Well, I'll jump in first. <clears throat> I think that uh, your analysis is accurate. I would describe it this way. What we saw with this shooting and so many other things going on, they are symptoms of a spiritual war that America is losing all over the place. And we have to look at this as a symptom of a sick uh, culture where uh, Satan and the demons and just, just human pride is creating a culture where things are not going well for us and we better we better stand up and pay attention before it's too late. This
3: is a manifestation of what drifting from God looks like. Um, this kind of thing took place way back in the beginning uh, when God first judged the world. The world became more and more violent as they drifted away from God. So The same thing we saw with Noah in his time is the same thing we're seeing now. When the world drifts from God, violence erupts and people turn to themselves rather than turning to God.
0: And so. And again, because you guys are going to be here all day, I'm uh, generally speaking on Tennessee Harmony, every question I'm asking I try to relate to the religious aspect. Mm-hmm. Today, I wanna to broaden the discussion. You guys mm-hmm. live in the same world that I do, and mm-hmm. the, the political nature of the discussion can't be avoided. I, I, I don't personally own a gun, I never have. Uh, and I was strongly <clears throat> anti-gun. And, and then, over the last 10 years, as I just delved deeper into the issue and, and started really understanding like, well, hold on. If we don't have, if we can't arm ourselves, if there is no Second Amendment, and the government, through its natural instincts, it's unavoidable, and that's what the founders thought, they're gonna seek power and control and strip the citizens of their power. And so they said, hey, make sure you guys keep guns because the government will turn on you. As men, and you can't put off your minister, religious, but just as how, where do you guys come down on guns uh, and, and the whole gun debate? <clears throat>
2: uh, I'll go first and, and Anthony can follow. Um, so here's where I come down, I own a gun. Okay, my wife and I, we own guns. Uh, and it was in the chaos that started a couple years ago. We just said, you know what? Uh, with what's happening, we're just going to have some guns at our home uh, for self-protection. Uh, but so on the one hand, I'm in favor of uh, citizens having handguns. Um, we make a joke at my church sometimes about if somebody came in, the number of people who have secret handguns uh, would surprise anybody coming into the church building. At the same time, my own personal uh, belief, and this may seem inconsistent, but I have a hard time justifying an 18-year-old being able to buy an assault you know, assault rifle. I just, I just don't understand it. So I think somewhere between people being able to own handguns, which obviously I believe in because I do, and then 18-year-olds or people uh, who just can't handle it being able to buy these assault weapons, uh, I think that there's got to be a common-sense legislation in between those two.
3: Bobby and I were talking before uh, as we came down about this very issue about guns. And uh, one of the things I mentioned to him is policies made for the masses. It's not made for the individual. So whenever you're enacting a policy, the same person who is sane, clear thinking, mature, uh, faithful, God loving is going to be in the same category as the person who's not. And that policy hits the same. So for me, where the gun issue debate, if you will, has been is uh, similar to Bobby's. Like, I want people who are godly, who are sound, who are mature, who understand how to regulate their emotions. I, I don't mind those people having guns. Um, I, but I, I can't make a policy against other people's motivations. So it's a difficult space. Um, where I rely on my protection absolutely there are people that you know have to come to our churches with guns Um, we had a shooting uh, at a church in Smyrna which is about 15 20 miles from our church on the day that our congregation had our church picnic and it it completely shifted some of my thinking on guns and even on protection because I, I wasn't necessarily in that world of, okay, let's gun, gun, gun. And I'm not against guns either. It's just, you know, I'm kind of agnostic on it uh, to some degree, but when that shooting happened, uh, man, you know, we had to step up security. So, so there are people uh, in our church security team that are armed and there are those who, um, that members don't know, but that are armed as well and that are prepared. I'm thankful for that. Uh, At the end of the day, I want to worship God in peace. I want to preach in peace and I want everybody else to do that as well. But I do live in a world um, that's getting increasingly evil. So, you know, we have to there. There has to be, as as Bobby's putting, there has to be some kind of medium there. Um, But I know that whatever policy is made, you know, it's difficult to legislate the individual.
0: So. Bob, I hear you on, you know, there needs to be, can't have assault rifles. And I say, I hear you. I can't say I agree with you. Uh, why why aren't we having a discussion if it's just, and again, you guys are both parents. Anthony, you got young kids. Mm-hmm. Your kids are grown, Bob. But why aren't we having a discussion about, uh, hey, should we streamline entrance into school systems to where there's maybe only one or two ways to get into a school and if we Have an armed police officer a security person at all schools uh, Because again criminals, you know, they try to avoid Conflict just like everybody else and and so why aren't we talking about those strategies rather than hey, let's pass a law to, to Stop the less than a half percent who are dangerous and could snap and go, you know, off. All, everybody else has to surrender their freedom uh, when, when we haven't taken some other measures that I think could protect here. here.
2: Here's the thing, like uh, where we live, uh, which is not far from here in Williamson County, uh, there, there are armed people in the schools already. And um, you know the idea of, uh, especially in high schools where you have to go in through one way, and, and you check those things. In you know, a lot of places, are
0: already uh, in place. Not in place in Texas. Right. It, it, I was going to say the it, same
3: thing. You know, with with my kids, it's difficult for me to visit my kid because you got you can't. I can't just walk in the school. I have to show my ID. They have to buzz me in. There is an SRO at every school, an armed SRO officer there at every school. So in some places, the reason that that discussion is not there is because those measures are in. um, But you can still have, you know, the one off situation. It it can it would be less. Um, But like he said, you know, a lot of places where my kids are in school that that's already implemented.
0: Bob, I, and the other thing I would say is I, I kind of now I was before the last two, three years. I had already changed my position on guns, but the last two to three years have made me say, oh, no, I'm going to get a gun. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I, I'm there with you. But I, I, I just I don't I'm also there mentally in terms of if we didn't have guns, I've looked at other countries where they're restricted from having guns. And I've seen law enforcement come in and physically force people to take the vaccine. And that our guns are what are preventing our government from taking those types of measures and imposing their will and what they think is best for us over. And eventually, it'll sound far-fetched, but eventually they'll one day come in and say, you know what, we want your Bibles because that's hate speech. Yeah. And, so, and I want an <clears throat> AR-15 when they come for that.
2: Well, uh, you know, this is a, an important conversation because there's um, there's got to be some middle ground that those of us who believe in guns uh, can take that doesn't allow an 18 year old. To get assault rifles, but but let me set that aside for a second because when we come on the show, you want us to represent the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge uh, that this is an area where different Christians have different understandings. There are some Christians who are pacifists who believe that uh, an individual should never resort to self-protection. That when Jesus said, "Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile," he meant that literally when it comes to things like guns. There are other Christians who will advocate that if the cause is just, that it's all right to bear arms, to defend the weak and, and the harmless. Uh, and then there are other Christians who you know, are just very comfortable in the whole world of guns and this kind of thing. Here's, here's where I've landed. <clears throat> I've landed that I believe that there is a place to protect the innocent and to protect the weak. And I also believe that evil is real. I think that some people uh, are very evil and their intent is evil. And that we need to protect our loved ones uh, from evil. And that could include somebody with a gun. I go to Israel quite a bit, Jason, I've been there 12 times. And one of the things that's very interesting in Israel is that you don't have a lot of uh, uh, violence anymore Because, for example, Palestinian terrorists know as soon as they pull out a gun, there's gonna be 15 Israelis who will pull out their own gun and stop the thing right there. And uh, so when it comes to your concerns about evil people taking illegitimate means of freedom, I agree with that. So I'm I'm an advocate, at least as for me in my house, we we have handguns. So when that guy shows up at the door, Uh, You know, I'm going to protect my wife and if my grandchildren are there. I'm going to protect my grandchildren.
3: Right. Yes. So self-protection. I'm I'm for that. The the one thing that we keep hinting at is this middle ground from that. Now, one thing that I'll say about evil, um, as we talked early on, before there were handguns, uh, there's this evil, you know, God destroyed the world by flood because Violence had taken off before Cain killed his brother Cain killed with Abel a, long before without guns. a gun So so I don't you know, even as you pointed out in your uh, opening uh, monologue the mechanism evil will manifest itself through any means of mechanism if it is gun if it is not so you know as you've pointed out we need to look at that now this type of evil that we're seeing now is a manifestation of, you know, what's going on in people's minds. I think it's interesting that you pointed out these last two kind of nationally known um, mass shootings uh, were a result of people who kind of grew this way during the isolation. Um, and as you, you know, pointed out, there's something about relationships about people, about humanity. We, we need that. And the more isolated we get, you know, when you get into the social media world, people are just avatars. People are just comments, really. And if I don't like you, I can just remo- remove you. I can delete you. I don't respond. I unfriend you. I what- And relationship is much deeper than that you know, if if Bobby and I, you know, good friends, if we have a disagreement, I'm not just not going to answer his call. Like that's my friend. That's my brother. We're in relationship. But if all I see is the social media, the digital type of relationship, violence becomes an easier trigger because I never really entered into that kind of relationship with humanity to begin with. So that's that's how it manifests itself in, you know, whatever the
2: weapon is. It's just, I'm using this to unfriend you, literally. What, <clears throat> what makes me uh, really upset about the people who just say, well, the answer is more gun legislation. It's like they're, they're ignoring, they're, they're getting at the symptoms rather than addressing the root issues. And think about a child growing up in our culture today. Uh, think about, we, we don't know ver- that much about the shooter, but we know that, he grew up in a, in a home where his grandmother took care of him. We can imagine the kind of isolation. But think of a young child growing up in the United States of America today, where uh, we've, we've made it very common that moms and dads don't stay together. We've broken down the barriers of what it is sexually. Our kids at a very early age are exposed to all kinds of things sexually. We're telling them that they, it's okay to smoke marijuana. <clears throat> We're telling them that in junior high, uh, I've been talking to some junior high teachers lately, that in junior high, uh, 40% of the kids right now in a bunch of junior highs that I'm hearing about, they're, they're totally sexually confused. They don't know whether they're homosexual, they're, they're transsexual, they're pansexual. And it's kind of a cool thing right now, just the breaking down. And then let's talk about violence. And, and all, the real their exposure, uh, mm-hmm. all their exposure to all the violence. And then who are they going to go to who's going to give them moral direction and courage right now? You see this massive turning away from our churches. And we're just kind of letting the kids go. Mom and dad aren't around anymore uh, because they're out pursuing money and wealth. And uh, we're totally okay with the breakdown of society, which your column did a great job of pointing out and and we're just going to let all this happen, let the drugs keep coming in and all these things but then say okay, what we got to do is mandate more gun control. That's like crazy land.
0: Bob, you just covered a lot of things that I want to direct directly at Anthony because he has two young kids, am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 what Bob just spelled out and for me as a 55-year-old Anthony, I promise you, it weighs on my heart all the time about your kids and friends of mine's kids. Like, their childhood seems so much worse than mine. Mm. And it, 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 what greater responsibility do we have than to leave the world in a better place for the people coming up behind us? And that's when the, Corporate media and most people seem to want to. The only wickedness they see is the school shooting, right? And and I'm like, well, hold on, man. The way we've been treating kids, right, disconnecting them from God, from each other, put a mask on, do school virtually, all the things. Yeah. I had a awesome childhood. Awesome look, and and I'm saying we're denying your kids that. Because they they sit on a cell phone, an iPad, in front of a computer, playing video games and watching TV. That's just a a buffet of violence, a lot of it. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about even the TV mm-hmm. I watch, The Sopranos, and all. And I just and and so that's a wickedness that we don't seem to want to address. And right. and I just I couldn't imagine you and your wife when when you like. You can't give your kids this. We used to just go out in the street and play. Right. And parents would be comfortable with that. Just when the street right. lights come home, make sure you're home. C- can y'all do that now?
3: Not, not like we did. <laughs> we, we talk about it. There's a, a distance in our neighborhood that I tell my wife all the time when we grew up. You know, I could go, you know, halfway down the neighborhood and play and go to this friend's house and we're going to ride all over. I'm like, I don't know if I would want my kids to be that far from me because of what society's done. But but to your point, the evil that we see as parents and and I can't speak for all parents now, but parents who are godly, faithful and trying to live kind of like my wife and I, We see the killing of our kids, not just in these mass shootings, but in the killing of all the innocence that children are supposed to have. You know, I grew up with, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons and things of that nature. We knew that was fantasy. We knew I'm not trying to shoot anybody like Bugs. it was, you know, playful. But I also grew up playing with kids in my neighborhood. I grew up where I knew my neighbors and my neighbors knew them. And and we we grew up in this kind of scenario where we were connected in relationship. Um, The we did not have social media. We did not have the lure of what that looks like. So even if we were picked on as kids and I I think there's a, a rumor about this particular killer, He was bullied as a kid. Even if that were the case, I would probably come home to my mom or grandmother and talk about that. And she's going to tell me about how God made me and that I'm valuable and, and that, you know, those are just words, et cetera. And that was it. But think about how our kids are growing up now to where they're in the social media age. So if you're bullied at school, Now you're going to because you got your phone, you're going to see twelve hundred other kids that you're so-called friends with mentioning the same thing. And it's going on all the time and the games and the TV. I'll just say there are some movies that I wanted to take my kids to see this year that we're not going to be able to do because the movies are intently putting same sex relationships. In a child rated G movie. Now, my kids are, you know, they're too young to understand what that even looks like. But even the movies that we see, we're killing the innocence of, hey, a child should be able to see an innocent film and learn valuable lessons and leave without their mind distorted by evil. So we see a lot of this killing, not just on TV. Now, where I do grieve and mourn with these parents, though. Is that on a very basic level, these parents lined their co- cl- kids clothes out, packed their lunches, sent them to school with the expectation of picking them up. Yeah. And, and that's you know, that's <clears throat> where for me and where we looked at on last night, my wife and I, uh, Hebrews chapter uh, two, verse one says, therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we've heard. Lest we drift away. So, what that does for me uh, is that lets me know I I can't stop the wind from blowing. Uh, I, I can't stop somebody getting in their car driving recklessly. I can't stop evil things from happening. I can't. But what I can do is obey God's word. I can trust in God and live faithfully. I can disciple my kids. And, and have them to obey the gospel, being baptized into Christ to where their soul is secure with Christ. And that for me is the hope and the comfort that I'm able to live in now, because we're in a world where even if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a parent, drop my kids off to school, evil can meet them there. And it, you pointed it out, that was not the, the world that I grew up in. And we're talking late eighties and nineties. So it's, it's, It's tragic.
0: Got to take care of some business, and then I'm going to bring a father of seven <laughs> into the show. Mercy. Uh, Dave Shannon is going to join us here shortly, but let me take care of a little business. Uh, you know what you need this summer. <laughs> no, not a new swimsuit. I certainly don't. Or well, actually, I do because I've lost weight. Uh, you need burgers, and I don't just mean any burgers. I'm talking about American Wagyu burgers made from some of the best beef you've ever tasted in your life. Good Rancher's American Wagyu is raised right here in the United States, and produces the rich buttery texture that people who know their steaks crave. These burgers are individually wrapped so you can easily pull them out and cook them on the grill or in the skillet. And you can use them for other meals as well. With meat prices soaring, I love that when you subscribe, you you lock in your price and get $25 off Every box for the life of your subscription. As long as you're subscribed, your price will not change. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation? What are you waiting for? Go get both by using my code FEARLESS or by visiting GoodRanchers.com fearless. If you don't buy the meat in your house, then tell the person who does to grab you two free pounds of American Wagyu burgers today before they're gone. American Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. Be a good soldier. Support good ranchers because they support you. Uh, Dave Shannon, Chocolate Knox. Erics. All right, welcome back. Uh, it's time to bring in the Idaho Potato, who is actually Chocolate Knox in Chocolate City uh, in Atlanta. That's a dangerous combination. Uh, Dave, Dave Shannon, uh, welcome back to Fearless. Welcome to uh, Tennessee Harmony. I don't know if you've ever been on Tennessee Harmony with Anthony and yep. Bobby. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping you were able to uh, follow the conversation a bit. cause I think you're the perfect person to contribute to this conversation. You're the father of seven. And, you know, I, I, I the conversation today has been about we should be examining and discussing the motivation and what are, what's going on in our culture that we seem to be producing these young people and middle-aged people that are snapping very violently, uh, rather than focusing on uh, the mechanism, the gun uh, that they're using to express themselves. But I, I think the wickedness extends far beyond the single act of and the the. The act is horrific and terrible the, of, of kids, uh, second, third, and fourth graders being gunned down. But, hey, young people are overdosing on, on drugs and committing suicide at a record clip as well. And I think that's a reflection of we've put them in an impossible, deadly, evil situation and culture and environment Uh, that is leading to their mental instability. But as a dad, I just, I wanted your reaction to what we saw in Texas and people's reaction to what what happened in Texas.
4: Yeah, there's a couple things that hit me right away, particularly as a father with seven kids uh, and a Christian. The first thing that hit me was, there's at least 20 families right now that are out there that are suffering something awful, who need to know the love of Jesus very, very deeply. And my first thought was, man, this is the perfect time for the church to be the church to those families. If there are churches that are there, you know, take your church, find these families and bring them food. Be the shoulder for them to cry on. Listen to them. Show them what hope looks like, because we serve a God of hope. He knows how to heal hearts and to mend things, and so we need to be the kind of people that model what love looks like. And so, if there are churches there, if you if you got a church there, hit me up on Twitter. I want to be someone who contributes to sending something to the family. It's it, you just need to be there for them, and we just need to show that. So that's the first thing I think about: is let's model the type of gospel that we believe in to these people that are there that are hurting right now. You know, the second, listen is. It's we need to remember that when calamity strikes, people run to their gods to save them. That's the first thing that people do is they run to their gods to save them. And it's been tragic, but telling to see that the left and a lot of my liberal friends who are anti-gun are running to the government to legislation to save them from this kind of calamity. And they believe that if we can just change a law if we can make it harder to get guns, then somehow that legislation will change hearts. But that's a problem because that's not how it's designed to set up. Legislation works after heart change. And so I want to take a different approach and I want to say, OK, when we have great wickedness manifested in our culture, then we have great sin that we have not been tending to in order to get less wickedness, right? If you have sin, it pusses out all over your culture and into everything. And so I want to stop for a second. I want to take a look and I want to say, stop, say, Lord, forgive me because something that we're doing, something that we have going on in our culture and our society is manifesting itself in this type of pus of wickedness. Stop, Lord, forgive me for whatever it is I'm doing and reveal to us what it is. And if we stop for a second and look at this, biblically and understand how God has made the world, this thing isn't random. It just doesn't pop up out of nowhere. Jason, it wasn't just but a couple weeks ago. Let me start with this and say like this. The fact that we lost 18, 19, I think it's like 21, if you count the adults that were there too, 21 people. We see that people in in situations like this, particularly at school where we send them off to get educated, a safe environment, there is no way that we should think that our children should come back from us Worse than the way we sent them off, let alone not coming back at all. We expect the environment to be safe and nurturing to develop them into fuller, better human beings. A couple weeks ago, after the leak of the SCOTUS decision, that everybody was arguing on the left the complete opposite way. The safest, most developing environment for a human being is inside the womb of the mother. And we were just arguing that she should have the right and we should allow for human beings to be treated with a death penalty in the safest environment. thats It's no accident that that type of cultural approval, we even went to the Senate to say, hey, let's codify the murder of millions in the womb. You can't operate like that and not expect a pus of that type of wickedness to come out in your society. And And we lost, tragically lost, 20, 21 people, tragedy, how much more tragedy that we're willing to say we should be able to lose millions and millions. And so I want to stop and say, Lord, how do we then repent of this type of wickedness and ideology in our culture, start solving the things downstream from this? Because that's where the problem is. It's all the way upstream, and we need to have a full rethinking of what human beings for, and what are they? How do we treat humans? How do we educate humans? Do humans need an education that teaches them that they're made of stardust and, and dust that evolves over time with this blind hand leading them through the world? Or do they need to know that they're made in the image of God? Made out of the love of the Trinity, made out of the love of a man and a woman who birth children and teach them about the God that they come from. Does that kind of culture and that type of education produce a different type of society? And that's what we need to be thinking about. If, you know, if if you only think about trimming the if the tree is rot, I don't care how much you trim it on the outside and the top. You have a problem at the root. And our root problem is that we've forgotten God and that we're made in the image of God, and that it's our job and our responsibility to train and teach our children with that same type of education. But the education that is coming out of our schools is based on evolutionary ideology that has no regard for human beings or human life, and it's manifesting itself all the way to our legislation. Am I about legislation? Sure. But I'm after a legislation after we have a heart change. Jason, we have had guns at schools for years. My parents went to school with guns in the back of their trucks. They were there. They weren't a problem. The guns just didn't get up and walk out and start shooting people. But the worldview and the ideology that we have been saturated in has caused a more dangerous environment the more that we've tried to push guns away. How does that happen? It's a person problem. It's a doctrine problem. It's an understanding of man problem that we have to fix if we're going to get rid of this thing.
0: Dave, I, I love your point. I want to toss it over to you guys to, to respond. But I love because I hinted at it by saying we've reduced children to a choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about, you know, this whole pro-choice movement and blah, blah. But uh, what he's arguing is like there's a mindset that we've codified in America that children are a choice, that a woman gets to make, whether she has them or not, and blah, blah, blah. And, so, and then there's the mindset of your level of career success, your riches, or how we define you now in America. And so we've adopted a mindset, I, do, I think, that does not allow us to properly develop our kids and young people. And that's why I'm sitting here nearly in tears thinking like, man, Anthony's mm. kids, they don't have the same opportunity, the same childhood as my kids. It's as a society, we've adopted the wrong mindset.
2: I totally, realize? I totally agree. Um, by the way, <clears throat> it's not just that I have kids who are older, but this morning before I left the house, my little grandson Ezra, who's five years old, came in and said, hi, Lolly. Hi, Pop. And came over to hug me. And yesterday I had three grandchildren in the house with us. And so when I think about this, I'm thinking about what kind of world Mm. are we raising my grandchildren in? And I agree with what Dave Shannon was saying. Well, we have to realize, and just being transparent, people on the left can't see this. They, they reject God or they try to make God in their own image, and they don't realize that when you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind in terms of evil. And uh, we've got a culture right now where you're taking away restraints, you're taking away training in godliness, and we're just creating a culture where we can be selfish and do whatever we want to do to please our sinful, self-centered selves, and we don't think that there will be consequences, and there will. So I, I want to read a passage to you from Romans chapter 1, uh, and I think that this passage, if there's one passage that would be most fitting on the show today, is Romans 1, 28 and 29. Let me read it. It's, it talks about a people who turn away from God. A culture that turns away from God. God inspires Paul to write about that culture. Just as they do not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over or gives them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full, catch this, they are full of envy, murder, Strife, deceit, and malice. That's what we're giving to our children with the, the, our current cultural emphasis. When
3: we look at the biblical model of children coming into the world, uh, as Dave is pointing out, they're in, you know, God in His infinite wisdom, He, you know, brings them into the world through uh, the mother's womb. But even the environment that he wanted children to come into, uh, a godly man, a godly woman that love each other, that love God, that that brings up a child in that kind of environment. That was the, the plan of God. But now we have chosen success over significance. The most significant thing that I can do is to raise my children up to know God. I mean, that's that's the ultimate success in the Christian life. But we've chosen worldly success to where having a child interrupts the height of my career. Having a child is a burden that I have to carry to get me to where I want to go. But when I do things the way God wants it done, the blessing of my old age is for children and grandchildren to know God. That's success. But we've chased worldly success. And we get, as Bobby said, we get the results of that. The other thing I want to do real quickly to underline what Dave said, which was very fitting. The enemy knows what these kinds of tragedies, I just mentioned it last week, will do. It will cause people to run to their gods, as he pointed out. It will cause people to question whether there is a God. It will cause all of this uproar of what's going on. And the primary people that need to be responding is God's people. Yeah. The church Amen. needs to be right Amen. front and center to answer the, the, the hopefulness that these people are looking for, to comfort them, to serve them so that in the end, evil doesn't reign, but God reigns, that they will know there is a God in this world. And, and tragedies may happen, but man, my God reigns. And so we do need to be... Uh, the first that respond.
0: I, I want to add something to what you were talking about just before that, Anthony, in terms of, because I think a lot of people, when they think of religious faith, that they just think, oh, you just got to accept it on faith and that there is no underlying logic behind the things mm-hmm. that God instructs. And it's like, when you really understand, it's like, man, this stuff is perfectly logical. And, it may, and so when you talk about the sacrifices of raising your kids to know God, and when you put the proper things in your kids, you'll reap rewards in your old age. Mm-hmm. So go look at the parents who didn't invest in their kids and how That's their kids amazing. treat them in when the when the parents actually need to be parented. Wow. And so, I I look and I got to be careful here because I don't want to offend anybody in my family. But my mother and father benefited greatly from the sacrifices they made for me and my brother. And my mother (laughs) will tell you and she's 82 or 83 now. She's lived her best life the last 20, 25 years of her life because of the investment she made in me and my brother, and because we have returned that investment and wow. taken care of her in old age. And so that's the cycle that God intends. And so your best for while you're out chasing all this money and, and two cars and a summer home and blah, blah. Your best investment, your actual best 401k is those kids. Because yeah. if you put the right things in them, they're going to turn around and reward you They'll have kids that'll turn around and reward them. It, it, it's all very logical. It, it, you know, yes, you have to step out on faith, but these things are proven. His prescription well, it, is its proven. It's because
2: God time. is good and he only wants what's good for us. Right. And, and his best. path Amen. through the family, through children, through grandchildren, through societies, his path It's the best for
0: us. Dave, I want to throw it back to you. uh, If you have an additional thought uh, you'd like to throw in here.
4: I just want to underline what Pastor Anthony was saying about fatherhood. One of the things that we have to remember is that that isn't just an option, it's the only option. If we're going to have liberty, if we're going to have freedom, if we're going to have safety, we have to have men who love their wives and who are good fathers in the same way that when Jesus was getting baptized, he was able to look at his son and say, look, my son in who I'm well pleased. And then the son looked back to the father and said, Lord, you've loved me from the foundations of the world. And the, and, That type of reciprocal relationship breeds a type of people that love each other and love their neighbors and fight for their neighbors and even protect their neighbors. And it all starts with men who fear God, love their wives, love their children and look at their children as an outpouring of the love between their their wives and say, I love you, son. And this children look back and say, I love you, dad. That generates a type of society that is a blessed society before God.
0: Dave, I, I want to ask you this before I let you go. Your show is called Cross Politics, and it examines religion and politics. And, and so do you ever think we'll ever see a major politician who comes up and says, you know what, we got to return biblical teachings to our education and school system? You know, the whole Removal of God from education I think old people and say it myself others all the time Where things went wrong is when we took God out of school Will anybody ever be bold enough to say you know what we need to go the other direction And, and Instead of teaching this evolutionary stuff Let's teach what's from the what we used to teach and is at the foundation of this country?
4: Absolutely, we will. There's no question in my mind, we're going to have a bunch of people like that. But the reason now is because they rightly represent the kind of people that we currently are right now. So we get those type of politicians when we get the kind of people who act like that, who believe like that, who are willing to take their kids out of a government source of education and train their children and say, I'm going to sacrifice that. Baby, you're coming home. You are going to be the queen of my kingdom and not the queen of somebody else's kingdom. And you are going to pour into these kids everything that thus saith the Lord and the love that we share. And we're going to educate our kids so that at some point, even in the near future here, when our kids are at their 20s and their 30s, part of the fruit that we're seeing are children who say we fear God all the way up from politics to home to business. And so we don't want to have an education system that doesn't honor God. We don't want to have an economics system. And we don't want to have a political system that doesn't honor God and fear God. But if we don't first fear God as a people where we are in our own lives, then we're going to continue to get what we currently have. And so we'll get it after we repent first.
0: Thank you, Dave. God let you go. Got to make room for TJ Moe here. He wants to get into this. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications. Hit subscribe. Don't forget, if you're listening over Apple, give me that five-star review and a comment. I love the comments. All right, TJ Moe, show me kid. Welcome back. Uh, time to bring in the show me kid, uh, T.J. Mo. Uh, T.J., I'm. You've been on Tennessee Harmony before. Obviously, you know Anthony and Bobby quite well. But, but before I engage you in the full discussion we've been having, it's been a little bit more biblical. I, I got to start with. I needed somebody I could just talk to about Steve Kerr uh, and the tantrum he threw last night. And so I think we have 90 seconds, two-minute cut of, of Steve Kerr last night, and I just want to get your reaction to it. Let's play a little full taste of Steve Kerr last night.
1: When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to to the So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want Background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough.
0: Might get him an Academy Award, uh, but you know what? To some degree, I I think he believes the the stuff that that he says, but I I just disagree with his argument. He can be for background checks, and I don't know anybody that's against background checks, but the argument that people are opposing this or doing it to hold on to power, I completely reject, TJ, because I, I think the movement against guns is about the seizing of power and more control and that again, as I argued in my opening mono and have previously on the show is that the, you know, the right to bear arms, that second amendment is about stopping government overreach and the seizing of power and control and the limiting of freedom. Uh, I I, I'm, I'm not a Steve Kerr guy. I think he's one of the biggest
5: clowns in sports, but your thoughts. If you can't tell steve kerr is an emotional thinker and this one hits home with him because his father was murdered in lebanon by terrorists and two gunshots the back of his head so this is instructive about why he's so emotional about this so this is why it's like you almost can't engage in discussions about policy Who with people who have been directly affected by it because they can't see straight all they can think about I guarantee you all Steve Kerr was thinking about during that moment was his father over and over and and some of these parents are thinking about their kids like I am hurt by my father which doesn't allow you to consider the other ramifications of the policy right you think you're doing something good when in reality you're doing something bad. So you mentioned Steve Kerr. I think a little bit earlier, before uh, before we got into the clip, there he mentioned the church shooting in LA. It's like LA's got some of the strictest gun laws in the world, and well, in the United States at least. And somebody went in there and shot up a church because people are evil. And uh, Dana Loesch tweeted this out. The the uh, according to the Department of Justice, seventy seventy seven percent of weapons. Obtained by criminals are either through the black market, theft, or straw purchase. Straw purchase meaning you had somebody else buy it because you weren't eligible to. 77%. There are 400 million guns in circulation in the United States. So he's trying to get a policy prescription. He first of all he's lying, as are all of the Democrats. They're saying it's all about background checks. I've got 10 or 15 guns. I've had to have a background check every single gun that I've purchased. I don't, I am maybe they want to tweak how it's done, but let's not act as though there are no background checks. There most certainly are background checks. In fact, it wouldn't have stopped this massacre from happening because this kid was 18 years old and bought, so far as we can tell, both of these legally and likely passed a background check. And so we've got all these ideas. What he's saying, and he doesn't really have the political balls to say it, is I hate guns and we need to get rid of them. And that's obviously not a reasonable solution. You guys have been hitting on this. Uh, We did not used to have these sort of mass shootings in America, and we are now having more of them. Well, it's not because we have more guns. We've we've had guns forever, as, as Dave just said. Your, our parents used to have shotguns in their backpack, You'd throw it in your locker, keep it in your, in your truck. That, is, that was, was not the big issue. The issue is we have a serious mental health crisis in America. And, you know, it, it, the weapons, uh, you mentioned this when, when we talked before, Jason, the weapons are not even, uh, the, the weapons we fight against are not even the weapons that are doing the most damage. You know, in 2020, rifles, and that's your AR-15s, it's considered a rifle. Killed a total of 455 people. Handguns killed over 8,000. Not killed, murdered. These are murder statistics. And so I don't know if you guys are familiar. I'm. I'm I like guns. I go out and practice with my guns. My handgun holds 12 rounds. Do you know how fast I can change that magazine? If you were getting shot at by me, you would think I was just changing my aim somewhere else. That's how fast that could be done. So I can shoot 12 people, switch it, you wouldn't know the difference as you're ducking for cover, and I can shoot 12 more. And I can, you know, this guy was wearing a Kevlar vest. I would have three or four or five of those. If I were actually planning to go do some damage, you would not know the difference between my AR-15 and my handgun. And so these are the type of things, the discussions that we have to have. You know, the personal we- weapons, hands, fists, and feet killed 662 people the same year that rifles killed 455. So we have all these ideas of let's get rid of guns, let's, let's make the world safer but the reality is these aren't the proper prescriptions. We've got to figure out how to treat our mental illness that's leading to these deaths.
0: And TJ, as you followed our discussion, and this is why we wanted to bring you on, is we believe, I think, that the mental illness is really a rejection of God. Mm-hmm. And corporate media, uh, and again, it's one of the reasons why I escape corporate media, They don't want you to have that discussion. Uh, And so it's hard for us to have that discussion other than platforms like this and other ones on The Blaze and and, uh, other independent outlets. But that's, to some degree, I'm reluctant because I'm going to go on Tucker Carlson tonight. And I think he's going to talk about the mental health aspect. Clearly wants me on because he knows I'm going to say the mental health aspect (laughs) is actually a rejection of God. And we have to, and again, this goes back to our conversation last week, Anthony and Bobby, where I was like, we as Christians have to keep talking about the gospel. There's power in that word. They want to redefine every problem as secular. We need to define the discussions as biblical and spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's where our power is. And the more you reject God, the increase
2: in mental illness will just proliferate. When you look at descriptions in the Bible of what happens to a culture that rejects God, it all leads to the breakdown of humanity, the increase in mental illness, division between people, and all manner of bad things. You said it was
3: taking uh, God out of schools, but I I think it was taking God out, period. I mean, we've taken Him Mm. out of homes. We've taken them out of marriages. We've taken them out of our lives. Like we've just tried our best as a society to take God out. And when you take God out, evil walks right in and it will use whatever means it can to manifest itself.
0: I want TJ, uh, and I'm, I'm asking these guys, there was a clip that we played earlier this week from Bill Maher that where Bill Maher did a long rant, the left-wing comedian on HBO did a long rant about how uh, the statistics are showing the younger generations are becoming more transphobic, more gay than previous generations, and and this is what I, this is what I think you guys are clearly talking about. Like the more we reject God, the more dysphoria, mental. Gender dysphoria that we're going to see manifesting itself, the more violence it but but, but again we went from thinking trans issues were a mental illness, we mm-hmm. thought that right, and now we're telling no 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 no, no, this it's not a mental issue and I'm t- we were right then we're right now, but when I see people like. Bill Maher even acknowledging like, hey, what's going on? And complaining like, why are more and more people identifying themselves as transgender or pansexual and all this other stuff? There's only one explanation. In a society that rejects God, this is the natural result. TJ,
5: I'll let you go first and then you guys chime in. Uh, It's absolutely the natural result. And so, you know, the, the idea, I think I've, I cited this uh, last time I was on with the pastors, the, the social contagion, Sweden has actually stopped with their hormone uh, therapy and their surgery amongst young kids because they have seen like a 1500% increase in transgender identification, uh, in their youth. And so that the social contagion of, Oh, well, maybe I am, well, maybe you are, there's the flip side of that. There is a biblical social contagion as well, which is why it's important for us to be doing what we're doing. If you see a whole bunch of believers standing on truth and proven right over and over and over, there's a social contagion there too. And so, look, I, I fully understand that the that we try to be tolerant and we came from a place oftentimes, you know, we, we do know there's somewhat of a dark history with how we've treated people in this country. We, we very much understand that. But, you know, everything that we started this country on, founded the country on is under attack. And so guns are just the latest thing. That was the second amendment, right? The constitution, we're 246 years old. You know, the average constitution around the world last 17 years, we're at 246. Every 17 years, this is according to uh, the law school, University of Illinois did a study on this going back to like 1789. 17 years, scrap it. Do you know why? Because they do not have the right to bear arms. And so these people get overtaken by the government. They're like, man, nah, wasn't good, scrap it, let's try again. And there's tyranny over and over. As the world gets more corrupt, we need more guns because do we not understand that our government is the most corrupt among us? Do we not think that 200 years ago, 250 years ago when we started this thing, those people, we have moved now to a place where we're actually more corrupt? I'm telling you, the need for guns right this second, more of them with good people has never been higher. The corruption running amongst us—we have to stop that. You know, in the 19th century alone, there were over 100 million deaths because those countries, with with uh, Mao, I think was responsible for 60 million himself. Obviously, Hitler, and then you had Stalin. That's, those are over 100 million deaths because they stripped their people of guns and could do whatever they want. Right now, Shanghai, I think they're still under lockdown because in China, civilians don't get guns, and so this country was founded on biblical principles of of guns being the precondition to your freedom. If there was ever a qualified dictator, it was God himself. And in the Garden of Eden, he did not do that. He gave us our freedom and our guns are the precondition for that freedom in America.
0: I want to play this clip from Bill Maher and then get Anthony and Bobby's reaction because Bill Maher is a self-described atheist. He's put out movies against religion. I keep arguing Virtually every week, that he's getting awakened to the power of Judeo Christian culture. He may never admit that he's a Christian or blah, blah, but I do think he's going to admit, like, man, Judeo Christian culture is better than secular culture. And again, this is the latest piece of evidence uh, from last week's show.
6: Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be a pirate. (laughs) Nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. I,
0: I'm, I don't know if he fully knows it, but I'm t- he's being awakened that all the, 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 his secular values, his anti-religion kick, free to have it, but there are ramifications for it, the rejection of God, and he's starting to feel those ramifications and understand like maybe I was wrong.
2: We'll let Anthony go first, but I wanted to say instead of uh, 2050, we'll all be gay, by 2050, it'll be Sodom and Gomorrah.
3: Exactly. And we'll
0: all be dead back By then,
2: <laughs> our identity, our
3: humanity goes all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God, and that's our narrative. Even when it comes to him making time, making day and night, land and sea, uh, the creatures that we see, man and woman, defining them, giving them their purpose, be fruitful, multiply in the earth. All of that goes back to God's perfect design. When we leave that. As you pointing out, there is no clue that people are. Well, what am I? You know, that's the question among teens now. Well, I don't know what I am. And, And we as Christians and parents and that's that's kind of my issue that I'm seeing. There are parents that are raising their kids in this mindset to be just as questionable as the kids. If the kid says, I like this, the parents are literally saying, well, I don't know, he, he may or she may be. Wait a minute. If anybody's confused, and this that, will be my last thing, if anybody's confused, let's go back to the source of all of our answers who sets everything in order, and that's God.
2: So I have a little Tennessee Harmony Hope that uh, as we come to a close, I'd like to focus on. And and that is the goodness of the gospel of Jesus and the goodness of the way of God. So God's plan from the beginning was that He would establish these outposts, these communities that understand the reality of God's kingdom grounded in the love of Jesus. And I, I just want to say to anybody who's watching find a local church where they're following Scripture. If you're a single person, that church will help you to find some some godly people to get married, to have children with, that the local church can help people to raise kids who are different, who have community. This last Sunday in our church, I stayed afterwards and uh, I saw my grandchildren and all these kids playing with each other and running around. And it was It was that image of, you talked about when you were growing up, how the kids in the neighborhood played. Here's a community of kids whose parents are pursuing goodness. Do they have their faults? Absolutely. But guess what? They're being taught to stay married. Men are being taught to love their wives and children. Children are being raised with a sense of purpose and direction and hope for the future. Because God's plan A for humanity is the church. And when the church was strong, the church gave us our Judeo-Christian foundation, which created this culture. And the way back is the way of Jesus through the local church, which is the hope of the world.
0: All right. I got a little good news as well. Uh, We're going to end today's show with a song about harmony that I had made. Some local uh, singers and musicians made for me, I'm very proud of this show, so I want everybody to say it's the greatest song they, I mean song, it's the greatest song they ever heard, uh, cause it's mine, I, I had a commission. Anyway, this is, you'll hear Tomorrow and Freedom, uh, tomorrow, at the end of the show, but today and on Wednesdays, we're gonna lean into this song about harmony, uh, so don't click off, listen to the song, and we will see you tomorrow.
3: Be a nation, one united Now we're headed for
1: downfall
4: to tell us, cause together we're so much the enemy won't let it get to me open up your eyes and see